DiscerningHearts.com presents St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Father Haggerty is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who serves at St. Patrick's Cathedral. He taught moral theology and worked as a spiritual director in seminaries for 20 years. He has directed numerous yearly retreats for the Missionaries of Charity. He is the author of Contemplative Provocations, The Contemplative Hunger, Conversion, Contemplative Enigmas, and St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the book on which this series is based. St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Well, this is where it can get difficult for folks because there may be this feeling in the soul or in the in the person's heart, well, wait a minute, this is not how I was taught how to pray. There must be something wrong with me. I want to go towards that, but I'm almost I'm fighting it because it doesn't seem right. Does that make sense? Well, it certainly makes sense, Chris, as John of the Cross teaches it, because again, if we think of the context of what in which he's writing, he is speaking to Carmelites. Now, this can be expanded to our own lives, lay, religious, priests of today, seminarians. But he's speaking to Carmelites who would have been trained in the practice of meditative prayer to get started in the effort of prayer. And again, meditation, reflective thought on God can be done in other times. It's just saying that in that silent time of prayer, that some other grace may be taking place. So people who have been trained in this will ordinarily identify that practice of meditation as a kind of obligatory activity in prayer. So they find themselves in a kind of inner conflict then. Deep down, there's an inclination just to be quiet, to turn off, like turning off the radio, or turning off the noise and the sound, just wanting to be with him and refraining from, you know, active mental effort. And most people who don't have, you know, let's say exposure to John of the Cross or some priest who might be recognizing what's happening as a, in a spiritual direction relationship, that most people will force themselves to go back and go back again and then again to a reflective or imaginative effort. And the interesting comment that can be made on that is the only way to do that is you have to engage your will to do that. You have to kind of push with your will to force the intellect to active work. And what that's really doing is it's diverting the will toward an activity, okay, trying to move the intellect, the imagination, the memory to some activity, when in fact, the grace of the moment is the will is experiencing deep down a longing for God that has a source in divine charity, that supernatural charity. The will is longing for God, and God is longing for the soul. The will is longing for the will of God. And it's as though you know, a channel is already opened between God and the soul, and instead of giving way to that longing, a person turns their will toward this other activity 
of trying to force the mind to some activity. And that's, in a sense, working against oneself, working against the grace of the moment. Now, I know we've mentioned this before, but I think it just bears repeating because for many people, this will be a different aspect of the deepening of prayer, that this doesn't negate those times when we feel we need to intercede or actively pray, like you have said, the rosary. And we pray for just to honor Our Lady, but then to pray for family members, the prayers of the divine mercy, all those things, even the engagement in the liturgy of the hours, in morning prayer, all those types of things are all still good things, because those are activities that we do to also offer up our praise and worship to God. What we're talking about are those times when you begin to experience in those silent moments and those that space you've set aside to allow God to be able to touch you maybe just a little bit more deeply that when things begin to occur, just to be aware of that and not necessarily look at it as something that is necessarily a wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense also if we look at the nature of prayer, Chris, and even if let's say we had a half hour or 45 minutes, a half hour where we could be silent with God. It's not as though one crosses a transition now and contemplative grace fills a full half hour or a full 45 minutes or a full hour. It doesn't work that way in real life. Mm-hmm. And it could be that you know, there's there's shifting of this kind of thing, even many years into a life of of prayer with God. So what I'm saying there is that God may, he may provide some graces of contemplative grace. So some, some of this contemplative inclination, maybe for seven minutes in a prayer time, or for 12 minutes, And there is this need to acknowledge the importance of other practices of prayer. So even in in a silent private time of prayer, which ideally could be filled with contemplative grace, it may not happen that way. And and John of the Cross is very clear that it could be for some time that a person needs to begin with some kind of meditation. And then sometimes they will experience that deeper inclination toward quiet. I mean, to go back to your own comment, you know, prayer can have many things over the course of a day. So when we pray the liturgy of the hours as a priest or a religious, that's a particular time of prayer. When we do the mass, we can't say that we're having the grace of contemplative prayer at that time. Intercessory prayer is very important as a act of charity in which we're offering for others. It's a good sign of real love in a person that they have they, they have a kind of a need for praying for others as a sign of love for others. So there are other, you know, other portions of prayer that go through the rhythm of a day. So the contemplative grace for most people who are not living in cloisters or monasteries, it can be intermittent. The thing is, if we give ourselves to at least a half hour of silent time of prayer, and we live generously outside the time of prayer, it's likely we could say that God is in time going to draw the person to contemplative graces. But that doesn't eliminate the need for other types of prayer. 
And it is quite interesting, isn't it, that as the soul begins to be aware of this movement towards that contemplative aspect of our relationship with God, when that begins to open up for us, that you may begin to sense those moments in your everyday activity. There may be moments that because you're attuned to it, that moment presents itself and maybe in, in some surprising ways, whether it's driving in the car, gazing upon the face of a child, just even, you know, sitting quietly with a friend or an elder in your family. Sometimes that it kind of trains us for those deeper moments too, doesn't it? Well, I think the the reality of a life with God is that his presence is going to be, we could say, stronger, you know, in our lives, you know, the more we're growing in relationship with him, if we grow in love, if we grow in faith, then his real presence is not just the phrase that is appropriate for the reality of, of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, that his real presence becomes a more prevalent reality in our life. Naturally, yes, supernaturally, that affects the life of prayer that his presence, his personal presence is going to draw us, you know, perhaps more in the time of prayer. Prayer is less than just going to an activity where we are using good words, sacred words, or reading sacred pages, you know, from the Bible, but his real presence is there. And that will happen to outside. As you said, well, Chris, you know, that could affect our vision it for sure is going to affect us. It should affect us if we are around poor people, that we're going to have a greater sensitivity to this mysterious manner in which our Lord allows himself to be touched when we are in the presence of poor people. So yes, vision changes are the inner promptings that could be mysteriously alerting us at times to what pleases God. But vision changes for sure if, as we grow with God. In essence, then, this, and you outlined this too again in the book, that the dissatisfaction described in those four earlier signs continues for a soul and a failure to move toward the graced encounter with God in contemplation that the fifth sign indicates. He, he warns us about that. I mean, that's a very, if we can't identify that and we don't move towards what that fifth sign is calling us to, that can be very sad. That's a very sad state, isn't it? What he's saying is that you can end up frustrating your your soul by not stepping forward to where God wants to take you now. And, and again, this is not a proposal for a different method or technique of prayer. It's not a how-to question. Okay, now I begin to use a different method that's more pleasing to me or brings better experiences. It's rather, he's going to say, there's a necessary adjustment that must be made in prayer if we're going to allow the invitation of God to take us into a greater depth of relationship with him. And it's really an entrance into greater depth of soul. So when we talked earlier, spend that time in the beginning of the book on the caverns of the human faculties, this image that John Lacrosse uses, the intellect is a deep cavern within the human person that can be filled by God through theological faith. 
you know, the will is a deep, vast cavern within the human person that can be filled with supernatural charity, you know, immediate relationship with God. If we grow with him, that's going to affect our life of prayer. If we want to simply hold on to what we have been doing in prayer, it may be that we end up frustrating our chance, the chance that God wanted us to take to step forward into a a more deeper, more mysterious relationship with him. We'll return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. The Living Flame of Love by St. John of the Cross O living flame of love that tenderly wounds my soul in its deepest center, since now you are not oppressive, now consummate, if it be your will. Tear through the veil of this sweet encounter. O sweet cautery, O delightful wound, O gentle hand, O delicate touch that tastes of eternal life and pays every debt, in killing you changed death to life. O lamps of fire, in whose splendors the deep caverns of feeling once obscure and blind, now give forth so rarely, so exquisitely, both warmth and light to their beloved. How gently and lovingly you wake in my heart, where in secret you dwell alone, and in your sweet breathing, filled with good and glory, how tenderly you swell my heart with love. We now return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. In this, this movement, we enter into the, the section on the, the conduct of the soul in contemplative prayer. It really is a desire for love, isn't it? I mean, it, it's a desire for an engagement. Love by its very nature has to be shared. You know, otherwise it's just a static, if it's just a static thing, then, you know, it's not love. It really is a, a relationship and activity, isn't it? Well, certainly we would say that outside of the time of prayer, love is self-giving. Love takes us beyond ourself. You know, St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas spoke of love as ecstatic. 
And he didn't mean by that, you know, simply, you know, that love is ecstasy, but love is ecstatic, meaning it takes us from stasis. It takes us out of ourself toward the other, as, as we all know in love. The reality in prayer is also of this nature, that the greatness of contemplative graces is that God is drawing us much more to real, we won't say experience as much as encounter, the encounter of with mystery with God, and it's an encounter by an inclination to love him, a deeper longing of the soul for him, a wanting of him. This Benedictine writer who I like, and I used a quote of his in the beginning of this book, is Dom Chapman, John Chapman, who was a Benedictine abbot in the beginning of the 20th century, who studied John of the Cross well. And he, in fact, he mentions that he had 15 years in the Benedictine order where he did not read St. John of the Cross. And he felt he had wasted those 15 years. And then he has a beautiful book called Spiritual Letters. I'm not sure it's still in print, but these were letters, many of them to contemplative sisters, sometimes to priests, lay people as well. And many of these letters are about prayer. And one of the things he will say in talking about contemplative prayer is you come out of that time of prayer wanting God, you know, wanting to love him. And this is, you know, true in the prayer itself. It's true outside than a prayer. That's something deep in the soul, the inclination to love, a kind of knowledge by love is taking place then in prayer. And if we ask, you know, what, what are we to do? What's our conduct to do? It's to give way to that, to allow ourselves to enter quietly into this deeper inclination to love our Lord not to just stare, you know, in space in a quiet way toward him, but to enter, to sense more deeply over time, this inclination, a longing to love him. And all of life depends on that growing desire to love him and then putting that into action in faithful ways outside of prayer. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean then that you're going to experience ecstasies or something that is extraordinary, but maybe it's the ordinary type of peace we've been asked to dwell in. It could be just that rest and it could last a moment. It could last longer than that, but there's something about when that touch kind of happens, you begin to enter into that experience of love. It gives the soul a nourishment that it's difficult to describe, wouldn't you say? Yes, and I think it's I think it's important, and John of the Cross will um, really insist on it in more than subtle ways that we have to be careful not to seek experiences in prayer and even the experience of peacefulness, that we're going to prayer turning toward another. And that is the great reality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit this great mystery of God, and we turn toward him, and without realizing, without seeking it, he may infuse the soul sometimes with a very beautiful sense of peace before him, but we haven't sought that as the goal of our prayer. Mm -hmm. We haven't sought, I want to experience my love for him. There's a great statement in the spiritual canticle 
in the first stanza commentary, which I made mention of in the first chapter of the book. But this, these words of John of the Cross, anyone who is to find a hidden treasure must enter the hiding place secretly. And when he has discovered it, he too will be hidden just as the treasure is hidden. And it, it's a great statement, maybe to repeat it because it's, it's beautiful. But anyone who is to find a hidden treasure, that's God, must enter the hiding place secretly. And when he has discovered it, he too will be hidden just as the treasure is hidden. If we're looking at prayer as somehow something I want for my experience of love or my experience of peace or my feeling of closeness to him, we are probably on the wrong track there. The need to let go of self, to be released, to allow this inclination of love to be realized at a much deeper level, perhaps like an undercurrent that is there acknowledging that we're being drawn in a longing for him, and then letting God do what he wants. There is probably very little experience of, you know, any, no ecstasies and such things, but that deeper longing to love him. You know, the great, the great reality of prayer is that our will becomes drawn into a desire to be one with the will of God. That's really what love is. And if that happens, there is nothing better than that happening. That takes a person and outside of prayer, wanting to continue to try as best as possible to give themselves to pleasing God, to be generous, self-giving toward God. And that's what made saints. This isn't necessarily John on the Cross telling us that we cannot practice meditation anymore. That type of contemplation on the Gospels or whatever that exercise that we might have had. He's not saying you don't do it anymore, correct? Yes. And also, Chris, it's good to be um, you know, making the point which you, you made. If we look at our day, we may have a number of activities we have to do in a day. And there's nothing that says that other times of a day, if we have that kind of time, to do reflective prayer, to do some kind of meditation. I'm a priest, so I have to look at the gospel and try to draw out you know, some insight because I have to preach. And my position right now, St. Patrick's Cathedral, I have to preach every day, at least something, you know, and I try to do something that has some spiritual insight in it. Well, I think what happens if we give ourselves to silence, God has his way of opening up the reflective aspects of our life also when we turn to that activity. So it's not as though it's just we cross a certain borderline in our life, and now I only do contemplative prayer. That would sound unrealistic. And there's probably, it's like relationship with a person in life. And, you know, if you have been married, you know, as you do, you go through years of different experience, different encounter, different depth of relationship with a spouse. And this is similar in our relationship with God. Sometimes the mind needs more help. Reading John's gospel may be more necessary sometimes than others. And we tend to go, it's a climb up a mountain that's not necessarily straight. It's up and down as we go through a life of prayer. So some type of not strict 
back to what we were doing meditation, but some mental aid to our life of prayer is a necessity. But usually that means a more simpler aid. A single statement of Jesus can really strike us. I mean, I may have said it before when Jesus was going to wash the feet of the apostles and Peter asked, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you do not know what I am doing now. Later, you will understand. It's one of those examples in the gospel where those words can be heard very, very personally in a particular hour of our life. You don't know now what I'm doing. Later, you will understand. And there can be some reflective thought on that, how struck we can be by how immediate those words are to us. And that is very helpful, perhaps. It's not exactly what is this inclination to remain simply quiet before him. But I think there are complementary aspects in the, in the life of prayer between something striking us in our mind, our heart, and the more quiet times, perhaps, of a graced contemplative prayer. I'm so happy, I have to say that, that you put the book together, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, because there's one particular section I think that you write that it really helped me in all of this, Father Haggerty. And you talked about, and I'll just read it from the book, the transition into the delicate nature of contemplative prayer is never so definitive and complete at the time of its beginnings. The soul needs to acquire a taste for the inward inclination to a calm, loving turn toward the presence of our Lord. It would be an improper notion to imagine this taking place like a leap into a lake that keeps us afloat without any effort on our part. A better image of the early experience of contemplation is to think of allowing a boat tethered to the shore to be released from what ties it so that it can drift into the deeper water. I think that is such a, a great way of looking at this, Father. And also perhaps not just in the beginning of prayer. I think we, as we go on in life, at times we may find ourselves maybe in need of more, something that stimulates, something that in some manner attracts again. I mean, I think reading the Gospels over and over and over again, the Gospel of John in particular, these things are a way to release that tide of boat. And then we have to row a bit, and then we get caught by the current, perhaps, into deeper prayer. But I'm not sure what happens in cloisters, monasteries. I think it's the same thing. But I think we all need something that helps in the beginning of some silent time of prayer, that it's a necessary thing to, like, we have to turn on the engine, you have to turn on the motor, you have to light the flame. And there is some need in the beginning what happens in time is this becomes all a simpler reality. We don't have to spend, you know, a half hour going from point to point, you know, thinking through this time of prayer. There's something that can perhaps quickly light a flame of love from the words of our Lord or some words that we have become familiar in saying to him, whether it be something formal like the Jesus prayer, or Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, or perhaps, you know, something very personal to him. Jesus, here I am again. You know that I love you. You know everything, Lord. And something that gets us started, again, you know, lights the flame of love within a person. And I, I think 
once we get through a certain threshold of love in our life, then we realize this is this is everything now to try to love him, to give ourselves in love and prayer, and of course to try to live that fulfillment of love outside of the time of prayer. Well, I think there is so much for us to just kind of take in and receive from this beginning of our awareness of those contemplative graces. I am looking forward to our future conversations as we dive even deeper in that and some of the other challenges that might come forward. But in closing this particular portion of our conversation, do you have any final thoughts, Father? Well, I would just encourage people, if they need to hear it, to try to adopt some private silent time of prayer. Our life is changed by that. If we quiet down more, if we allow ourselves to have some silence with God, preferably in a chapel or church where his real presence is in the Eucharist, if we give ourselves some quiet time before Mary, our mother who really does look on us with a gaze of a loving mother, then that will draw us into something that is present within our deeper soul. There is a desire of our soul to love him, to discover his presence. If we take that step into silence, that's always going to reap some fruits in our lives. Thank you so much, Father Haggerty. Appreciate it so very much. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me and having these conversations with me. You've been listening to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. This series is based on the book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, published by Ignatius Press. Visit Ignatius.com to obtain a copy, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty.